0: Uh, I just fucking... burned the shit out of myself. Can you see how it's red on my wrist right? Yeah. Now. Ouch. What really fucking though? hurt. Really fucking hurt. Oatmeal?
1: Fucking, I told you, you don't eat that stuff. <laughs>
0: I'm Sasha Chambers. This is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Amy Rivers, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths.
1: It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us, whether the ideas they cooked up and fed us, nourished our bodies and minds, or just rotted our teeth and
0: clogged our mental arteries amy and i are not film scholars but we do have a genuine love of movies as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 26 years and counting yo 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 first recording of 2022 what the fuck amy i
1: think this is the third year we've been doing this podcast it can't yeah
0: no. I just realized that yeah girl It is. No, it can only be the second. We're going into the second. We started in, in the the pandemic of 2020 into 21. So now 21 into 22. No, no girl,
1: you're wrong, but that's that's two years. No, no. We started in 2020 and then that was our first year. And then our second season began in 2021. And this is our third season.
0: It's our third season, but not our third year. Girl, 2020, 2020. Girl, oh my God. I too. <laughs> understand you math. can't That's start <laughs> No, fuck. Listen, we started in April of 2020. Okay. So April of 2021 makes one year. So that means from April of 21 to April of 22 is a second year. Dude, I'm not going to have this argument
1: with you. Because this, is our, this is basically our third year. You're like, you're quibbling over January versus April start dates. It's You're bananas. I don't know why you want to prevent growth. No, just as the, the, the heroine in our film, Labyrinth, <laughs> learn... Her lessons and grow and age. So shall we?
0: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. So yes, we're all doing right. reverence today. Do you wanna? Do you wanna IMDb it up? Do you wanna do all the yeah. the stats? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> will it will take I, you three years uh, to do it. All right?
1: IMDb it. I didn't think of
0: prepping anything. All right, That's fine. We're coming into twenty-two hot. I know <laughs> on top of our shit <laughs> well researched and together
1: uh-huh oh but i do have to say labyrinth has always been a word that i've had a really difficult time spelling oh I yeah i always want the y to go after the r
0: yeah yeah it's a real it's just like rhythm yeah rhythm yeah. fucks with me all the time i can't you know i've got rhythm i just can't spell it
1: i'm with you I'm with you. I'm on We both know how to shake our booties, but don't ask us to spell it. Okay. So IMDB, 16-year-old Sarah is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth.
0: (laughs) If Sarah hits the walls of the labyrinth at 8 p.m., what time does the monkey eating the dill pickle riding the freight train at 60 miles per hour going southbound on the two arrive?
1: Oh, my days. Let me try again. Okay. 16 year old sarah is giving 13 hours to solve a labyrinth and rescue her baby brother toby when her wish for him to be taken away is granted by the goblin king jairus this actually answers numerous questions i have like how old Sarah supposed to be and if she's supposed to be 16 we're gonna have to discuss that yeah but before we get into all of that this movie is a fantasy rock opera it's got Muppets, puppets, whatever you want to call them. It's for children, but it's dark as fuck. There's lots of other things that could have been, you know. And
0: inappropriately tight pants, (laughs) romping through the entire thing. Yeah, IMDb failed once again. Another failed to really capture.
1: It was directed by Jim Henson, and it was actually his last film that he ever directed before his death. Which
0: which is is a downer. Which is a real downer for me. A
1: downer or, I mean, it's a downer because he died, but I think it's a good legacy to leave behind.
0: It's a cult classic. And that's why it's a downer because it was, it panned so heavy at the box office. I think it lasted a month and a half or something. Yeah, It didn't even make its budget back. And that like fucked with him in a big way that like fucked with Jim Hansen because he was only ever used to people telling him that he was- irrefutably a genius and that everything he touched was perfect so that really messed with him and for that to have been his last directorial effort is is pretty sad he did live long enough to see it become a cult classic but you know it sucks that that's like that was his last his last oeuvre as a director um and to have it be received in such a way but I realize that that's actually so okay it's a Jim Henson directed movie but it's not a Jim Henson movie like, it's ultimately so derivative in so many different ways. It doesn't touch me as deeply as actual Jim Henson movies do. Firstly, Nary a Muppet actually exists in this movie, right? Like, all of the trolls and all of the creatures, except for the, except for the stuffed things that you see in her room, which is a whole other conversation for me, um, everything is Brian Froud right? All of those creatures are Brian Froud.
1: Including Toby. That's her son. No, I learned that. Too. I did
0: not that's know that. I did not know out. it ran that fucking deep.
1: Just so you guys know. little That's little Toby fun Froud.
0: Fact. I was trying to yeah. freak, figure out. I was like, that's Toby. I was like, this was he? No, that's the baby. Okay, cool. The baby so, is
1: is that and he let it later uh, became a puppeteer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Fun facts found Bruce. here on eating after midnight, everyone.
0: That is true. So all of the creatures look like Brian Froud's creatures, which is fine because, you know, we just did Dark Crystal. So we know there's the Jim Henson, Brian Froud connection. Then on top of it, there's the Maurice Sendak angle where the whole story is basically, I can't remember what the name of the book is. It's like out there outside or something like that. But the story is of a little girl who has to go and get her little brother back after he's stolen by goblins. Like it is just a straight it is straight theft. Maurice Sendak actually clapped Jim Henson with a cease and desist. And there is there is a theory that he only did that because Maurice Sendak was very good friends with the Hensons and this was during their breakup. Okay, this is when they were separating and so that maybe he was like choosing side and being like, I got you bitch, I'm gonna fuck with your man and fuck up his whole movie. Like he was like, cease production. This is highway robbery. And then Jim Henson had to go over there and they had to bro it up and make it okay. So Murray Sendak, with his blessings, let him make this movie. But it, it basically is the storyline is theft. There's no Jim Henson-in-ness about this for me, so I think that's why it just doesn't like it doesn't rank.
1: Okay, so back to the beginning. I saw this probably in 1986, and I remember being obsessed. Absolutely loved it. I then revisited it. Okay. I fucking hated it. Yeah. This was one of those movies where like before I've watched it now, like I, I rewatched it, you know, I don't know when I was like 22 years old, 25 or something. And, you know, it was just like, fuck this movie. I fucking hated it. And to the point where I, I knew I disliked it so much that today I spent 30 minutes trying to find it for free. Just so I wouldn't even have to pay the like three pounds 99 uh-huh. to rent it. You know, that's how much I fucking hated it. But I am going to say this now rewatching it today, I have totally new eyes and I refound my appreciation for it. There are some things that are still fucking terrible, like mm-hmm. the fire fucking monsters, and we will talk about it probably at length. But can I just tell you that is the moment in the film where I just want to shut it the fuck
0: off. Yeah, oh. it, go, it 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 significantly falls apart there for a while.
1: Still making wise, there's issues. You know, there's just issues <laughs> with like the way. It's made, and it has a lot to do with what you just said, that it's not completely a Jim Henson film, except that it is a Jim Henson film, but it doesn't feel like it. And and that was the problem that I read people had with it, is they were expecting the Muppets, but they got something extremely darker. I think that when I was younger, though, I mean, this was very much who I was, lived in a little fantasy world, wanted to be a princess, was a little actress. So in revisiting it, I have, there is some stuff that's great. I think that it teeters between being so imaginative to just super silly. You know what I mean? So there's t- moments where you're just like, that's great. Like, I love when the doors, the gates to the goblin. Uh, city shut. And then the iron giant comes out and attacks, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, like, and they happen throughout the whole thing. There's like uh, wonderful little moments like that, where it's just so imaginative. And then you've got the fire monsters, like the level of Jar Jar Binks, you know, it's like one of those <laughs> things that I fucking just hate so uh,
0: much. That was what set Maurice Sendak off was those, because they were originally called wild things. And he was like, the fuck you will. And that's why they ended up getting called fireys. Yeah.
1: They're called Fieries.
0: Fieries. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Well, good, good on you, Sendak, because I'd be fucking pissed too. Anyway, I read an article in The Atlantic and I'll find out, I'll, I'll look it up really quick so we can get the author's name. But she spoke about how everyone was expecting the Muppets, but they got something much darker. And one of the things that it acknowledged that was really uncomfortable is just how dark and dangerous childhood is right and this movie you know shined a light on that kind of dark aspect and
0: and that really childhood is like as much as it is about as as it is about growing and developing means that it's also about death as you have to walk away from the things that you loved before and leave them behind like for example that trash heap scene is terrifying to me and was Always terrifying to me.
1: Like, that's a really get under your skin part. And I I think that's it. It's fantasy. And there is some stuff that's really imaginative, but it's kind of uncomfortable. There's things that kind of are creepy, not to mention, of course, the big creepy part, which is this goblin king who's what, 300 years old, his obsession over a 16 year old girl. It's a problem they had way back when, it's a problem that they have today. Yeah. You know, but it is a trope for a reason. It is a trope because it is something that young girls deal with. It's happened to us all. It is something we actually face.
0: Like Jesus fucking Christ, though. First of all, what an entrance. Okay. (laughs) Windows fly open, owl beating around. And then there he is. Owl man. Okay. (laughs) like With his fucking hair and the goddamn makeup that's supposed to look like the little owl eyebrows and his fucking cape. And he is immediately so toxic. And it's funny, the first watch of this, I watched with a friend and she was like, were you hot for Jareth? First of all, this will, I will be you on this episode. Probably. It is so hard for me to not call him Jared. And it always has Jareth. Okay. Jareth. That's a fucking weird name. They should have just went with Jared. But like, so Jareth, No, I was not always sexually attracted. I was not sexually attracted to Jared. I was not into that at all because to me, I always just saw him as David Bowie, who isn't sexy. He is sex, if that makes sense. So, and I don't feel that kind of like lust for him. I feel fascination.
1: But, but this is is noted as a sexual awakening for a lot of young girls, right?
0: Right, um,
1: it makes sense. I I'm with yeah. you. Like he's not my type, but at the same time, like there is this allure that he has, and and mind you, oh. it was done on purpose. Like they they there's a reason, Jareth And yes, you're absolutely right. In like, <laughs> fact, is, like I took the my, all my notes say Jared. Because I was like, oh, his name's Jared? Like, that's such a weird name. <laughs> like, let's name the Goblin King Jared. Like, I dated a Jared once.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, there's a reason they cast David Bowie, a you know, rock god in this part. Did was, you
0: notice that his staff is supposed to be a microphone?
1: You know, I read that. And that was like, no, but it's like a writing crop to me. Like, I, n- I don't see microphone. I see writing crop. Like, there, there's something where it's like, he's got the
0: stirrups on and then this writing crop. Like- of- It's hard to see anything past the pants, quite frankly. Yeah. It, it, it really is. It really, yeah. really is. But he shows up and is just textbook toxicity, love bombing the fuck out of her, just like- do you want your dreams or do you want to be an ordinary girl who carries cares for a screaming baby like yeah you know what i mean like do you want your dreams then forget the baby there's the way he says that never doesn't make me laugh forget the baby i can't like i can't do it <laughs> it's fucking hysterical to me oh my god. and then it's just like he's bombing her with the gifts with the orbs and then oh, don't t- torture. He's going to throw snakes on her and tell her not to defy him. And then there's all these threats. You're no match for me, Sarah. Like it's so fucking twisted and gross and the and- blueprint for a whole bunch of girls' first relationships. You're so uh, right.
1: And and it's like, should we make movies about this? And, you know, should this be a topic? Like, should this have ever Are
0: they asked- already dating? Is she wearing his shirt? That fucking <laughs> shirt, dude.
1: Oh my god. So just here's one of my questions. Did you own a vest and did you rock it in the early 80s?
0: I owned no less than eight vests and I rocked the fuck out of all of them. So did I. So did I. I, had me. So I I many need vests. to find some vest pictures. Yeah. It's so many vests.
1: And so. they all were ugly as just as Yep. Others.
0: I don't know. Hers is pretty next level with the fucking shoulders and the curly cues. Like that thing is pretty pretty horrific
1: i remember mine being like like basically um like furniture like like a upholstery fabric yes like that's absolutely. what all of mine
0: i'm was. pretty sure that that's what they were all made out of was scraps from an upholstery place uh got wind of like a good deal through forever 21 or claire's what not claire's what's call them? um wasn't forever 21 there was a different one that we used to go to contempo casuals baby oh,
1: that's where my yes. first job was what about this I used to buy them at places like Judy's. I'm going far back.
0: Way back. Deeper. Please,
1: if you remember Judy's, please send us a message. In fact,
0: I wanna I wanna pose a challenge to our listeners in 2022. Please send us your pictures of you wearing a vest in the 80s because I know you fucking have them.
1: Yes, I know send I have. us
0: your vest pictures, please, so that we can do a massive collage of how all of us owned vests and wore those shits in the eighties.
1: The best vests. The best, best, (laughs) that's what we want. It's competition, everyone. All
0: right. So you, you just hit us with your first question. I'm going to come at us with my first question, which is, which is upsetting for me because I pride myself on a person who has a lot of attention for detail, but ashamedly, I was four days ago, years old. When I noticed the goddamn Jareth statue on her fucking desk. <laughs> like, <laughs> so my first question is how many Easter eggs in her room did you find? Because I count at least 11. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven Easter eggs.
1: Okay. You're gonna get to go through these, mm-hmm. but I need to tell you a story first. Tell me. All right, so I, too, was basically today, today years old, when I discovered that there is a fucking statue of him, (laughs) right? I was also today years old when I realized that the photographs and the clippings were of her mother, and that one of the pictures is of Jareth with her mother,
0: So So you just got the bonus round because I didn't notice that shit. Okay. But here's
1: the thing. I rabbit holed it like you did.
0: And it turns out that there is a
1: like source material that this is based on, meaning that they wrote something and that became the canon where they based the rest of the story on. And it had a backstory about her mother. Her mother is actually not dead. Her mother is a famous actress. And one of her things here is that she, you know, wants to be like her mom, Right. And in it, her mother has a boyfriend named Jeremy. And guess who poses as Jeremy in these pictures? Jareth, David Bow. Oh,
0: so guess how much more inappropriate this relationship yes. just got? So if you oh my god, I will post the article. I, I, it was on
1: Vox. And and long story short. To add another layer of creep factor to this whole thing, right? No, no, the question, of course, is this happening in her, in Sarah's mind, or is it happening in real life? If it is happening in her mind, she has cast as this goblin king, abuser, possible lover as her mother's boyfriend.
0: Yes. Like
1: this is just a minefield of Holy therapy shit, sessions. Dude. It's just, it's exploded, right? So so I did read this article, but if you see it- Holy shit. Like, it's there, like in this scene, like so- I was trying not- to understand
0: what the significance was of those pictures on the fucking mirror. And I was like, I don't have time, but they they clearly mean something, but I don't get why they're so important. I just thought they were some actress she followed. Waha, what?
1: So, I mean, I mean, I think we've just danced around it too much. I mean, like it, this is so inappropriate in so many levels. It was inappropriate at the time. It's inappropriate today. It should have still been made because it actually is a reflection of something we have to kind of triumph over. Like you do, you are going to be most probably as, it, as a woman, you're going to be targeted by older men. i mean i was, was that
0: whole eyes wide shut ball scene really take a different turn all of
1: it all of it i mean this movie is that and what's crazy about it is that it was made by a bunch of men like like you know who's the woman here like and and in fact i read about that too the only women that show up in the whole thing
0: that's true are
1: the the junk lady yeah the evil stepmother and a fairy who bites the finger. Other than
0: that, this is a male dominated stepmother film. who's a fucking cuntaroo to the dog. I can't to the dog. I can't
1: <laughs> to the dog. But anyway, I mean, it's. I mean, there's parts of me that I think, yeah, it's problematic, but it's problematic because growing up as a woman is problematic. These are things that we actually face. These are dangers that really dangers
0: untold oh my fucking god i am so disturbed by that idea that jareth is jeremy her mother's boyfriend that's so creepy gross dude that's so creepy gross because also too at the end of it all when she puts everything away she doesn't put that away She doesn't put the statue away. She puts the little ball gown thing. And first of all, I don't even know how that drawer closed. That logistically really bothered me. But like she puts the the music box away. She puts the pictures away. She's saying kind of semi goodbye to all of them in the mirror. But the Jareth statue remains.
1: It is dangerous, dark territory, but it is not untrue. So I really feel like this film in some ways, even in going for it, should be applauded. You know what I mean? There is part of me that's like, you know what? At least we're not sidestepping it. It's just really weird that it's a children's film. But but then again, like fairy tales are dark and scary. You know what I mean? The, the real original ones, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, we all know this. They're, they're dark. Children get hurt. Children are in peril. Um, and this is kind of in that vein. So I know that I just stole that question from you, but were there other? Dude, you uh, did it right? Your eggs, did <laughs> it real
0: right? There's so many. There's so many and so many that like I really had never ever fucking noticed. God, I'm just still really fucking tripping on that. And wow. So this story that I was looking at as being like this weird version of Wizard of Oz, which I'm not. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. Like a bunch of people have made that. Uh, that uh, connect. Thank you, connection, which also appears several times as Easter eggs in this room, Wizard of Oz is on the shelf. When she's in the, the version of her room with the junk heap woman, she packs a copy of the Wizard of Oz onto her back. You know, this idea of like, as, as my friend who watched it with me, like child of white privilege, just gets so frustrated with everything that she has, has to risk it all to lose nothing and gain even more in the end. Okay, <laughs> like so yeah, so like she's there, Wizard of Oz is on her back. So like this Wizard of Oz-like story just took a Mildred Pierce turn in my brain that I was not fucking expecting. But okay, so also in the room, we have a fire dancer. We have one of the fireys, which is the Muppetiest looking thing in the entire movie. There's a copy of The Wild Things from Maurice Sendak. Thank you very much. In the music box, she's wearing the dress that she shows up in in the Eyes Wide Shut ball scene. Um, Obviously, Sir Didymus is one of the first things we see I don't know why anyone has a stuffed fox with one eye and a patch, but whatever. She's 16. I did not have this shit in my room when I was 16. We're going to touch on that in just a second. There's a maze game like you would have when you're five or eight years old. I don't know why you have that in your room when you're 16 years old. Again, The Wizard of Oz. Her bookend is Hoggle. It's a bronze troll that looks exactly like Hoggle. Um, Labyrinth, the book, I was also four days ago years old when I noticed for the first time that the book that she's walking around with is actually called Labyrinth.
1: <laughs> no, I knew that one. I, I didn't.
0: I didn't. And I'm real scared about myself <laughs> right now. Um, the fucking good, statue, Ludo the doll sitting on the sitting on another shelf. Okay. Um, the MC Escher poster by her bed that ultimately becomes the guys can be so cruel scene. Yeah, there was like a bunch of things that I never noticed, including And I don't know if this means that past me was a piece of shit, or if now me just is like changed because you have a baby. I have never wanted to fucking kick someone's ass so bad as the way she treats that kid.
1: Okay. So, you know, this, I mean, this goes on to the theme that I was talking about before that childhood is dangerous and childhood is dark and it's a confusing time, right? Kind of like a labyrinth, right? And the way she treats Toby and the fact that there's baby danger in this immediately made me not want to watch the movie.
0: I was like, oh my God, Amy's having such a hard time yeah. with this right now. This baby is screaming, crying, needing comfort. And she's just like, fuck you, kid. I can't. It's so fucked up. It's, it's so, so
1: up. hard. It's so difficult. And it's like, uh, you know, I mean, mind you. Toby is a fatter version of Blevin, you know. Exactly, he's a exactly. Baby, and he's crying his eyes out in his cute little striped pajamas, and like all he needs is a hug. You know, what I mean, all she needs to do is comfort him. He's a fucking baby, and you're 16 years old. Again, we're gonna have to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, you're 16 years old. Like you should be motherly. Like, I don't know any, I mean, I don't want to
0: know, like, I don't know, wanna, well, no, not all of us, but still, Yeah, I'm not
1: going to classify every, every, you know, female should have this. She machine.
0: is still a human being though. And she can be nice to a dog, but not a child. Like that's, that's like what the, what the actual fuck. And actually there's a moment where if you turned the dial It becomes a horror film. Fuck the goblins. It's her. When she's like, I wish they'd take you away right now. And she leaves the room and immediately he stops crying. Right. And she senses at that point. I was like, no, that's, that's wrong. When she goes to turn the light on and she's not like, are you okay? She's like, why aren't you crying? Do you know what I mean? It's almost like (laughs) you left him because you prefer he cry himself to sleep and be in pain. You fucking monster. Ew. Oh, I mean. Why aren't you in tears, little Creature. His Ew.
1: face She's is horrible. red. He's got tears running down his face. Baby 101. If your kid is doing that, there might be something wrong. Exactly. He hungry. He might be wet. He may have had like a, you know discomfort in some way. He could have gotten a spider bite. Like something is possibly wrong. Like baby- there's a
0: living creature in distress incapable of taking care of themselves human being shit
1: base level so yeah it's like so i did immediately when the movie came on uh god i was like oh shit baby in peril and it looks like my son and it is yeah. really troubling but i will tell you that when it did cut to scenes where like uh do you remember the babe what babe um Like it did make me feel a lot better that David Bowie's character was kind of loving to the boy.
0: Yes, even though I'm not. Yeah, I was was not okay with any of it until I saw Baby Toby laugh for the first time and be like, okay. And then I was like, okay, I can calm down because I don't remember this. And if this kid is in fucking peril and distress for the majority of this movie, I I might have to shut it the fuck off.
1: Like this is exactly like if they had him in age. The whole film that would have really I, I don't know if I would have been able to watch it because your brain changes when you have a baby I don't want to be mama bear and all like this but motherfuckers this is the truth like you just can't like but mama- did you have
0: this experience of it before no. Let me, that's what I'm saying was was no. past me a piece no. of shit that I was like oh she just really doesn't want to babysit and didn't realize like how much no, you did my brain change like somehow by osmosis with yours that I had such a fucking like experience of this?
1: Mayhaps, mayhaps. But like, I have friends, you know, uh, women that that I've, uh, you know, my mama friends that I did like yoga with. Like they would, we would talk about it. Like we can't watch nature shows. Like it's painful. It's painful to watch like any baby hopeless doesn't matter any creature that's an infant, um, be in trouble or be in need. It pulls all the heartstrings and, and it's like, it drives you crazy. So yeah, I had a really difficult time in the beginning. but And then the anxiety hit the roof, of course, at the end when the kid is on the stairs, (laughs) like it was just like, no, it just, you know, I actually wondered, I was like, like, you know, there are fake stairs, obviously this is that this is a movie are they made out of stone or made out of foam? Like, you know, because the kid could have still fallen on those stairs while they were watching and filming this. Like, did they actually put him on like wooden stairs or whatever? I just like, is it carpeted? Like, do not have this baby walking on these, you're crawling on these stairs. It was killing me. This baby is something like nine months, you know, he's not walking. And can we just talk about how old she is now?
0: Yes, because now that you're telling me that she's supposed to be 16, this very disturbing thing said to her by her stepmother, which was, you should have dates at your age. I was like, bitch, fuck you. What are you talking about? Is she like 13 years old? What are you trying to do? And now I'm like, oh, she's 16. But why does she act like she's 13 then? Why does does she she act like she's
1: 11?
0: Yeah, why does she have stuffed baby dolls and games and shit like that in her room? Like what's going on?
1: 11 years old. I remember when I was 11, the Little Mermaid came out. And I remember thinking, oh, am I too old for this yet? And I was in between being kind of a teenager and being young. This movie came out in 1986, right? So I was, how old were we then? Like eight or nine, right? Eight. That's how old she seems. Like she seems nine she years seems old. like an
0: absolute child. She's such a fucking petulant little brat that I didn't even understand why she was allowed to be out in the world by herself like that with the dog. Like who lets a fucking eight-year-old, nine-year-old run around all over town with the dog, except for that she had giant boobs really underneath that dress, which was kind of weird for me. Like there was a lot going on. And all I knew is is, like, she acts like a brat. She clearly has no business around a baby now. And I was like, that motherfucker's safer with the goblins, let him be.
1: Right, right. I mean, so Jennifer Conley, you know, so beautiful. She always looked older than she was when she was younger. So she's actually 14 in this film, playing a 16 year old who has been infantilized to the age of maybe nine or 10. Right. Because no, like I stopped wearing princess dresses around 11. And by the time I was 16, I was actually having real sex and smoking cigarettes and going riding with my friends and staying up drinking coffee. Yeah, like it would have
0: made a lot more sense if she's like, yeah, sure, I'll babysit the kid and then like put the kid to bed and then drop some acid with her boyfriend. And that's how they ended up in the fucking labyrinth. Like it doesn't make (laughs) that's a much more plausible storyline.
1: And I don't think that that's like us in the 90s, Gen (laughs) X assholes. I think that like even in the 80s, it would have been like, okay, you do this while like we put on Wham and make out while we watch it. right like what tape on her vcr like it would have been something that they would have done
0: i mean for how childlike she's supposed to be you'd think she'd be like yes we'll play princess and goblin baby or something like i don't know it just it's very weird that whole because she
1: goes from being an abusive sibling um to to like caring for the child, like a, a flip of a switch. I don't know, it, it, it's, it's a weird age thing. And the only thing that makes sense to me is that this was written by a man that just doesn't understand like how girls mature and age. And in one way, put them in scenarios that they're way too young for, like being chased by a older goblin king man who's you know seducing her versus like, making her 16 and still wearing crowns and like and playing dress up yeah. because I I mean at
0: 16 we were we were theater nerds but I wasn't running around in a park well that's not true I did we're not going to talk about the renaissance fair days but (laughs) I wasn't on my own running around in a park in costumes and talking to my dog
1: no, but you did the Renaissance fair because, you know, you were drinking losing
0: and drugs there. Yeah. Yeah. There a yeah. There's
1: a lot of <laughs> stuff happening at the yeah, Renaissance fair. Yeah. If right. you didn't know everyone or I mean maybe not these days.
0: Say what you want, it was a party. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. you know, once she actually goes into the labyrinth, that's where shit just like it's fine. It's all beautiful and it's all interesting looking, but yes, it is. in, And maybe it's meant to feel that way because you're going through a labyrinth, but it does feel very slow.
1: No, it's, it's the, the pace of the film is off. I mean, one of my questions is what in your opinion is the most unnecessary scene of this film? Because there's a lot to choose from.
0: Yeah. There's, there's numerous scenes, but the one that I made the biggest note on was like, I know that that battle scene to enter the castle grounds has to take place, but it is just too fucking long. Like once they conquered the like transformer door creature, the whole thing that happens afterwards with like they're they're now in like the little village that surrounds the castle, right? Like the goblin village, I guess. And then they're in like a battle, and there's cannons and For about six hours and all that yeah. shit. It's, yes, it's its yeah. own movie. It's, it's as, an episode it's first... of
1: second, um, Game of Thrones, isn't it? It's, it's the like...
0: fucking Muppet version of the first seven minutes of Saving Private Ryan. It just won't end. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I, have a,
1: I have a toss-up, but I know which one wins. M- one of uh, my most unnecessary scenes is the guy with the chicken on his head. Oh yes. Like, like, and he spouts some wisdom because there's a lot of things in this where it's like, here's the wise thing. Sometimes to go forward, you have to go back. And it's like, okay. And, and which leads to nothing, by the way, there's no part where he accidentally like has to go back to the beginning. So it doesn't relate to anything. Um, But I would have to say the fire scene is my most unnecessary scene because I, again
0: and the song really is not great either is
1: the, my least favorite song opposite than you i actually think the music's great and it's oh, okay because when i started watching it the second i heard the music the nostalgia broke, you know kicked in pretty good and it was like yeah this is fucking rock opera fantasy yeah i'm down I'm down okay we'll watch this so I was actually quite into it and then every song except for the one that we you know the fire fucking song but all the David I think the music
0: isn't that great because there's only specific lyrics that will stick in my mind ah you know what I mean because like it's not like in my craw it's not like I'm like yeah let me listen to that soundtrack I don't think that the music is that awesome there's only like you know
1: I, I have to admit, "Within You" is on one of my current playlist. Like
0: "Within You" has got to be the most wildly inappropriate songs in the entire film. What the living fuck? Were they not in the room? I don't understand. Like this is a movie about a young girl. I guess in their mind it was okay because she's sixteen. Maybe they didn't realize until it was cut, printed, and released that she comes across as nine to eleven. That it's just like it feels really. Really eerie. That whole whole fucking thing. Like I said,
1: this movie it gets under your skin in a really uncomfortable way. That's the problem with it. Now I think when you're young, it's the fantasy. Or when we were young, because I don't know if it would hold up with like the generation of children now. Like I'd be interested. But that song, like when you're younger, you love. You're you're brought into the fantasy and brought into the drama. Now it's just the creepiness of
0: it. Oh yeah, especially now that we're older and watching it with motherfucking subtitles.
1: Yeah, I still love the song. I think it's creepy, but I like the creepy quality of it. Like it's still really intriguing. And the scene in itself is iconic. Like the part where his ass flips upside down and comes up like, booyah, like that's cool. Like, I mean, context aside, I still love the, you know, all the what's
0: the What's the name of the song in the ballroom?
1: Oh, I don't know the names of any of the songs. That
0: one, that one is, that one to me is actually the most wildly inappropriate. Um, it's very, 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 very eerie, very eerie. But did you know there was a friend, my friend who was watching it with me, uh, Leslie, who you'll all meet soon. Um, she did some some research while we were watching it and found out there was 76 pounds of glitter used oh in my that God. room alone. One How of much my notes glitter. Is How glitter, much glitter. glitter everywhere? How much glitter, glitter though? How much glitter though was used on the ma- in the making of the labyrinth? So much glitter,
1: tons. All I can think is of like dunes
0: of like yes glitter.
1: There's so much. Everything is glitterized.
0: I want to imagine that everyone that was working on that set sneezed glitter and shit glitter for God knows how many months afterwards. Because you can't be, it's, it's, it's considered a toxic nuisance like by, by like OSHA standards. You can't, like it really is. When you start getting into like really fine particulate like that, like it's in the air constantly. So these people had glitter ass boogers for I don't even know how long afterwards. All right, so we've talked about our least- favorite scenes or the scenes that had the least impact or or the most impact and that they should have gone the fuck away there are so many to choose from what's your favorite luke
1: favorite look of of david bowie yes because okay. there's
0: nine okay well, <laughs> like yeah. every time every time he's in a new scene he's in a new outfit it's, <laughs> it's almost not distracting it's not <laughs> <enough> <laughs> variations aren't they well, sometimes, yeah. Well, sometimes he's got the coat and a cape or just the coat, or he's taken the coat off and it's just the pants. But for the most part, is a separate look in every scene that he's in.
1: It's so hard, but I am gonna go for the very last pastel dream. Oh that that becomes the owl at okay. the end. Okay. Like I do love the leather jacket that he wears mm-hmm. and, and everything. And I mean I'll tell you what it's not. It's not the cod piece stirrup pants. It's there's not no cod piece.
0: I, I wish know. there was a cod piece. Are you, going
1: like- that. you know what I mean? You do know, you guys can go to the internet and I'm sure there are full blogs about David Bowie's penis in Labyrinth. Oh pants.
0: I'm sure there's like anti fucking porn dedicated to labyrinth and David yeah. Bowie's penis. No, no.
1: But that I think it's lovely, like that pastel fantasy thing that he's wearing at the end is so lovely. And then and then of course it becomes the the owl, but it's not costumey. You know what I mean? It's not like they made an owl costume and he becomes that. It's very high fashion in and, and lives mm-hmm. into its own. And it's just so much great texture and David Bowie pulls it off he pulls off all the outfits of course
0: he pulls it off because he's my fucking david Bowie. yeah i was really torn between a very simple downplayed jareth look when he was um talking about the fact that she's in in the oubliette and he's just wearing a simple black you know peasant blouse and he's and he's doing the thing fun fact did you know that anytime he's using the he's doing the little balls he's he's balancing his balls did you know that that's a different person's arms? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, like, like I think it's amazing, and he he really managed to work with that well. That there's another guy's arms in his costume and wearing gloves, sticking his arm underneath David Bowie's arms to make the balls move around. Only
1: point where you can sort of like see it is that there's one point where he's sitting in a window. Yes. Totally is quite totally strange.
0: see it there. Yes. But
1: there, for some reason, he's wearing like a coat that's huge seems, cape.
0: Like, the balloon and clean. and the arms are just going yes his shoulders aren't moving at all but his yeah. arms are just yeah. like going fucking crazy yeah, yeah. that that part exactly. you can see there but there's a very downplayed another very downplayed Jareth look when he comes um and catches them trying to get out of the oubliette in this kind of maroon what looks like lambskin jacket with a lovely little buckle situation oh, yeah, 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 and yeah, very yeah. light detail that. on the shoulder that one that one's a really 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 hot look I was really into that he does have the skinniest legs of all time though holy fuck
1: i do love jennifer conley's um princess look
0: that oh, dress oh yeah i wanted that yeah, dress so badly did i want that dress
1: i had a moment in watching this where i was like you know because i was contemplating how old this little girl is supposed to be you know 16 whatever and it was like God, I don't know if I did it enough when I was that age. Like, did I dress up like a princess enough? Because no, it would be silly <laughs> to do it, right? But did I do it like when I saw that dress and then her hair with again more glitter and like they, they must have teased the shit out of her hair though. Can you imagine shampooing that afterwards and washing Between it out?
0: The amount of glitter and the amount of hairspray used on Jareth's hair and hers in that scene, goodbye, Ozone. Like they're, they're responsible for it all. <laughs> we are where we are today because of that film, I know.
1: Oh I my goodness! oh yeah. my days. So um, I do have to say about the Muppets or the puppets or whatever we wanna call them, I love the goblins. Like the first time I see the goblins and they're like, um, and they overhear her and they're like, say it, say it, right? Uh I love that. I love that it's like all of them on top of each other. And I love their voices. And I love how they go, shut up. Um, And I just love all the goblins, but I hate all the characters. So I hate Hoggle. I hate- What's the other one's name? The The fox with the one eyeball. Oh, Sir Didymus. You hate Ludo? Ludo gets away with it, but he kind of looks like a goblin. Ludo's okay. Well,
0: Ludo's- Ludo, to me, looked like something straight out of the Wild Things. I was like, this is... Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't he on the cover of the book? Like, I was getting really, like, dude.
1: And he's sweet, you know, and like oh, smell bad. He's- you smells smell like, bad.
0: That's like one of my favorite, I say it all the time. The bog of eternal stench is a reference I make so often. God bless any boyfriend of mine that's ever lived with me or has taken a shit at my house because I will immediately refer to the bathroom as the bog of eternal stench when they're done and shame them out of love. It is love. pretty
1: hilarious. And I, do, <laughs> and I do even remember when I was a little girl thinking it was so gross, like the way the bubble- Oh yeah,
0: it Farts. farts
1: it's so good. No, but there, there's a quality of the goblins where they're kind of cute. And I do love the idea that all the mechanical things in it are actually like driven by goblins. Like, like the, the thing that comes in yeah, the pop-
0: cleaners. I love that. Yes. Come, yeah. But then when it
1: passes by, it's actually those goblins, you know, doing the tricks. So there's this thing where it's like, it's not so much magic, it's all trickery. And uh-huh. again, it plays into this theme of like dark ch- childhoods where you don't know you know things aren't what they seem and you're afraid of things but then it turns out to be something that it's not and then yeah. um and even the even the the iron
0: giant is uh you know right has run by there. some little creature at the top yeah absolutely
1: so there is like this imaginative part so i love all those little goblins but yeah like i hated the the worm oh what you hate the worm no uh, I, I i don't like i'm i don't like the character the way they look there's like a gross ickiness to all of them like they've got bubble face and they were like yeah. I, there's a quality that i don't like and i mean you were talking about it earlier where it's like they're not
0: well it's brian froud's world
1: yeah yeah brian froud whoever the like i i kind of didn't know who he was until today
0: trolls trolls fairies brian froud you'll see it yeah you'll be like oh and it's, it's like
1: ucky whereas like some of the goblins are kind of cute and they also have like really great personalities where well, the rest of them are just like passive aggressive like <laughs> in- <laughs> like i don't like any of them like the, the, and despite the one that you said the um what, what's his name ludo yeah ludo. oh ludo. question though why is it that she does not clock that her dog shows up
0: Yeah, that's that is a thing. Well, I mean, this is where it becomes the Wizard of Oz thing, right? And you were there, and you were there, and you were there. It's not until she comes to that she recognizes the the overlap between reality and fantasy. All right. Otherwise, she otherwise she should have been having a mental breakdown every fifteen seconds because she'd be like, "Aren't you that stuffed fox in my room? Aren't you my bookend?" Okay,
1: Okay, I'm. You know what I mean? Like on your trip, and and I love slash. Hilarious hate that the dog is a dog,
0: but and then, then all of a sudden it becomes <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> for like numerous parts. Yeah. I, I mean, there is something to say about the sets because again, I remember rewatching this and thinking I fucking hated it and that it was so low quality and just like ugh, and you know too long. It
0: really does look like the waiting scenes for a ride to Disneyland. Yes. It and has that quality say, to it, especially when those big giant heads start talking. I'm like, are we getting on the Matterhorn right now? Like, that's that's very much what it feels like.
1: Yeah, and and again, I think it feel like it sometimes it, it teeters from being so imaginative to just super silly. Except and-
0: for yes, no, sorry, uh, before I forget it, because this was is always something that I have loved in this movie. It's a solid effect, and it's purely lighting, and that is after the the um, the worm tells her. Of course, there's an opening right there. Of course, there is. And then she walks through the wall, and you can see it's just perfectly painted and lit. There's not—that's all it is. It's just sheer paint and light that creates that false wall effect, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing that CGI has really taken away from us. I love practical effects, and that happens to be one that was just. Yeah. fucking perfect
1: it kind of has the sets kind of have the same quality as the princess bride where it's like you're brought into the fantasy because it is so fake you know what right. I mean so you, so you stop even caring about it and you're just like taken into the world so I I have to admit that I, I remember thinking it was terrible but then on this watch I did just I just didn't w- went into the fantasy
0: this time There's and I little thought- things yeah yeah, little the things make up for it like the Jareth stone
1: oh my god that's the one the the tristone um yes. perspective stones yes of David Bowie's face yes amazing yeah I mean David Bowie has to have that in his house somewhere right he must have you taken- would hope
0: you would hope that Iman has that in the garden right yeah
1: but it it does have like you know from the little hands that are grabbing her when she falls that was another really, really
0: scary scary scene and apparently i can't remember how many um puppeteers were involved in that but she had to wear a harness and be suspended like 40 feet or something in the air to have all those hands to be able to do the effect and because of the way that the harness was sliding like if she put her hands a certain way like her fingertips could get sliced off yes but that like aside from that just the idea of those hands grabbing at you and I hated all the I really hated all the talking hand shit it was so creepy to me always has been always will be
1: I do have my least favorite monsters or the the monsters that I felt that were the like creepiest thing and it had would have to be The naked baby bird dinosaurs.
0: Oh, God. Oh, God. The rabid, skinless, snapping, spear reanimated abortions are horrific. That's my (gasps) nose.
1: Yeah. It's so unnerving. They're disgusting with their huge fucking teeth. And yet at the same time, because they've balanced it out with these like bumbling idiots, it's fine. Like it, you know, it's very smart. Like that's the thing. You have to admit that they did it well, where because they're so bumbling, the fact that these horrific baby dinosaur abortions with big teeth, like, oh my God, we're gonna get in trouble for saying that. They are
0: demon-reanimated abortions. I don't give a fuck. That's exactly what they are. Okay.
1: This is there you go fucking scary as fuck yeah that was that was one of my favorite like horrific moments of it was just so, those little creatures
0: okay so I so my next question Amy because you're one of the smartest people I know I need you to tell me if you can figure this out Leslie said that she would make a Venn diagram of this and I need it to be made because never in my life of watching this movie have I ever been able to make sense of the logic that she employs at the door over who is telling the truth and who is lying
1: Nope, we'll have to write. I have to write it down. And half of me wanted to pause the film it, so I could do this, but fuck no. I it's like no, I'm not even that smart enough. It just hurt my brain. It really hurts my brain,
0: really, really badly every think, time I've watched it.
1: I think she's right, and but I'm just going with it because I there's not enough time in the world to figure this part that part out. I fucking and I and I didn't really. You know Sarah? Okay, I mean, let's just talk about Sarah a little bit. You called her petulant. You know what I call her? I just call her a whiner.
0: A brat. Jeez, she's, she's just a brat. She really is but a brat.
1: She whines through the whole thing. I don't think I would mind her being a teenager if she wasn't whining all the time. Like she every five minutes. Eh, it's so unfair. Why did you do this? Bah, 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 bah.
0: Yes, so line that I heard for the first time, like heard for the first time was, that's not fair. You say that so often, I wonder what your basis for comparison is. What? What?
1: Truth, it's the truth, it's the T-R-O-O-F.
0: Fuck, Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that's deep, that's super deep because she is just a spoiled, whiny brat. And there's parts of me that thought, okay, beyond how cruel and abusive she is to the baby, she also does some other things that are kind of morally questionable, like in the fire, (laughs) the fire scene and bring it up one more time. There's a part where she just like starts taking off their heads and throwing them. And it's like, there's just like a mean Streak. She's well, see, she just that. trying
0: to escape them, right? And then the way they chase her actually is legit scary. Like, yeah, scary. but
1: that's the <laughs> where they get scary. Yeah. I guess they do talk about taking off her head. I don't know. There's something about the way Jennifer Conley plays it. And I love Jennifer Conley. You deserved your Oscar. This isn't about you now and as an actress, whatever. But in this film, when you were 14, like, God, you were fucking annoying. And like, there's just, you know, when she like, and and she steals his uh, jewels from him, and uh-huh. you know, there's like little things here and there where it's like, this girl isn't all that. She's a little whiny bitch. Like she's one yeah. of, she's like a, again one of my least favorite female characters in. Actually, it.
0: yeah. And I was I was before I realized I was like that. It's the derivative nature of the creatures and the storyline itself that has like turned me off so much, or not turned me off so much, but not made this one of my favorite Jim Henson experiences it's that I just don't relate to her even though she wants to be an actress and a princess and live in a fantasy world and all of that kind of stuff like none of that ever touched me I was like this kid's an asshole
1: yeah she's a real asshole like like she doesn't she she kind of wants to get her baby brother back and that's kind of immediate you almost think that she wants to get him back so she doesn't get in trouble like you know I mean there's no she's basically so cruel to him and then when he's taken away she just wants to get him back there's no and and I think that that's that's the strange thing about this movie the pace in the beginning is so fast that you don't even know what the motivations are for a lot of what's happening and then it slows down to a snail's pace and then in my opinion the movie gets really interesting when it goes into a dark space after she gets roofied
0: fucking roofied she does she gets fucking roofied by his nasty toady assistant. It's just, oh my God. Yes, but you're right. Once she gets roofied and goes into the trash heap.
1: Well, yeah, well, I mean, first the masquerade, which is yes. as creepazoid as it is, it is lovely and beautiful. I love how they're wearing like beautiful dresses, but the masks are all really scary, you know? Like, you yeah. know, it, it's gorgeous. And I was thinking like, I'd love to go to that party. Hate to say it. We I hope we don't invite any 16-year-olds, but we should definitely right. have one of these parties someday. Um, and then and then we already said it briefly, but the trash heap part is probably like it's probably the most poignant part where she's and I I do love how she's kind of being, you know, squished by all of her junk that she thinks is important that right. really isn't. And I love how it's like this trash woman is her future. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like that she's- Oh, here's
0: Flopsy. Oh. You didn't want to let that go. Oh, what's my friend Leslie's uh, favorite line from that? Like, oh, a pencil box, lots of pencils in it. God, lots of pencils in it. Like She loves that line. There's just so many things It's
1: there probably my favorite scene. And that's really crazy to say, considering there's so many beautiful, you know, visually beautiful scenes. And it's, so the, it's nice. the
0: one that gets in your gut the most. Yes. It really is um were you dare all- say the best scene dare say the best dare say. scene dare say. um next to i mean this the mc escher staircase i mean the most iconic scene would be the mc escher staircase within Ubis, but like the uh the best scene the most poignant and important scene is the uh the bedroom in the trash heap which is so terrifying
1: absolutely do you have any other notes
0: I mean, really only that, like, I never realized how fucking toxic and fucked up Jareth is. And once they come back together at the end, and the pants have gotten even tighter, and, you know, he's saying things like, I'm exhausted from living up to your expectations of me. And now this is the first time where she's actually kind of playing into it. She has that kind of sassiness in, in the banter with him where it's like, oh, there is a different layer. Because it goes, it teeters at that point between this paternal fascination and sexual fascination. And it's very eerie and very weird. Um, and then um, we basically discover that, yeah, eyes wide shut styles like Jareth is all about that subdom life because when he says to her, just fear me, love me, do as I say, and I will be your slave. Dude, what the fuck is this movie really about now?
1: And it's so scary because we both know as being, you know, young girls, like we've heard these things said to us.
0: It's so creepy.
1: Yeah. Two last things I would say about the film. We didn't mention it, but there is the fabulous part where he throws up the baby.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> and we dance, have to magic this dance.
1: I mean, he, David Bowie is so good in this like we said, there is a point in your career when you can share the screen with Muppets and it just- Oh my God. That's,
0: yes. That's one of my major notes was, he is so good at acting with these Muppets. Yes. I I dare say even better than his human counterparts, like his- (laughs) Those scenes with between him and the Muppets, I'm like, yeah, he, he is living. That is happening.
1: Well, Those I love the alive. goblin, the first goblin song. You know, do you remember the babe? What babe? The babe of the palace. Yes.
0: But and his the way he interacts and plays off of them is just fucking pitch yeah. perfect. But I mean, another question begs: like, is Jareth like some kind of fucked up Kim Jong Il kind of character? Because like his kingdom sucks. Like, what exactly is he so excited <laughs> about? Like. <laughs> The landscape is terrible. I mean, the weather is decent, but it doesn't look like they have any, like, real good crops. Yeah, what is if- metals? He's got a bunch of ugly goblin guys that, like, do whatever he wants, but to what end? Like, he's just a power-hungry drag queen. I'm
1: with you, I'm with you. And maybe, you know, maybe if they would have fleshed it out a little bit, then it would have been like, oh, he wants a queen. You know what I mean? He wants her to Right.
0: But they don't really... Like I said, it, and yeah, no, the plot really falls apart in those, in those parts where it's like, well, what does he want her for? What does he want the baby for? Is the baby going to turn into a goblin? Is he going to eat the baby? Is the baby just his? Like what happens
1: from what the beginning is, is that he steals the baby because she's asked. And that presumably is how his kingdom grows. He steals babies and they become goblins, right? This, presumably. I'm not saying this, this is ever explained at all in this film. However, Somewhere in the middle of this film, it switches to an obsession with her. And there's no real explanation of it. But then when it happens, it goes deep. It goes creepy. She does ultimately, you know, overcome him so that maybe there's a, you know, it's okay because of that, you know, maybe that, that makes it, it, um, You know, at least she doesn't fall for it, right? Right. Except for the fact that I feel that the end scene, they just like gave up on everything. And just was like, let's
0: have a fucking party. Let's have a dance party. Dance magic dance, motherfuckers.
1: You're just like, like, what the hell? Yeah. So like this whole thing happens. Poor little baby Toby is finally snug as a bug in a rug, even though he's got a blanket. do not give a baby a blanket.
0: When she throws the blanket on him, I screamed.
1: I know. Right. You're just like, don't do that. Have you not heard of SIDS? Anyway. So beyond that, like she goes to his room and then also her father comes home at midnight and says, uh, Sarah, are you here? And it's kind of like, what, <laughs> where were you expecting her to be?
0: Right. Um, and, and then if you didn't trust her to stay home with the baby. you looks like you got money, pay a sitter and a therapist. I straight up
1: would never leave a 16-year-old in charge of it my baby. You, w- you wouldn't no really no I mean mind you if it was my child maybe but not if she wasn't like into it you know what I mean like when you leave your child with somebody you want to make sure that they are like
0: yeah if my if my, my 16-year-old kid expressed murderous disdain for their infant sibling
1: yeah, I wouldn't leave her.
0: I would be paying a babysitter and a therapist yeah. to be like, watch the baby while I take this other one to get evaluated, please. Yeah,
1: yeah. If my 16-year-old a <laughs> little whiny, bitchy, entitled, petulant...
0: Brat. Brat. That, that took some degree Sarah, of pleasure in letting the child cry itself to sleep.
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't have left her with the baby in the first place. But yeah, be. but let's talk about this end for a second. So she sees them in the mirror and she's saying goodbye to them and they say you know, oh, well, if you ever need us, we're here. And she's, then she's like, but I do, I need you. And then they're like, you should have said And then it ends with this dance party. Uh Now it would make sense that it's like the good goblins, but it's everyone, like the fire monsters are there. Right. And Jared's outside the window, staring inside. So it was like, what happened at this end of this movie? Did they just not know how to end it? You know, it has a real like poof. There, there's not really an end, you know, except that she gets the baby back.
0: Well, like a labyrinth, is there ever really an end? Yeah, there's a real end. There is. You get there's to the definitely you get, not there's, a real end. You get out. You get out. And you, you don't know? really get out. It's true.
1: You get, you get out. <laughs> and she's supposed to be older now. I guess they, you know, we could metaphor her putting her, you know, childish things away, but it's just not. I mean, basically, the plot's just not very strong. But it is iconic and I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. My last thing is, is that I knew a girl once who had a shirt that was a picture of Jareth. And it just said, um, your eyes can be so cruel. Oh my God. Coolest shit I'd ever seen.
0: I would bid on that on eBay.
1: I know, but I haven't seen it since everywhere. And I've kind of like looked for the shirt because you know how it happened I don't know if, if it's as much anymore right now, but like Forever 21 and, and out here we have a place called, um, oh God, what's the place called here? Oh, I forgot it. But it's like, you know, cheapclothes.com. Uh-huh. And they did something in the early 2010s where it was just like all of our great pop culture references. Then they just made t-shirts about all of them. You know what I mean where it was just like mm-hmm. when you kind of felt like god that's I really want that shirt but it's like made at this fucking bullshit shop and yeah. you know what I mean it was just like disconnect so I don't know if it was one of those shirts but it was the coolest thing ever okay so god on a transatlantic flight to visit me in wales sasha are you going to watch labyrinth mm. Hands Labyrinth, or any other movie with David Bowie.
0: Oh, shit. Wait, what's another movie with David Bowie?
1: There are some really good ones. I would say that my favorite David Bowie film, and hopefully we will do it another time on the podcast, would be The Hunger.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, wait a second, The Hunger. I, that's, that's what I want to do for next, uh, wait, then there's The Man Who Fell to Earth. There's
1: some really good ones.
0: What David Bowie films are there? Um, lots of them. Um, it's a surprise that
1: he w- he had so many um, acting credits. He was actually a good actor. Like, like
0: Sting is not. <laughs> no, Sting is not. And, and Sting was up for this part, to be fair. So was Michael Jackson. Thank fucking God that shit didn't happen. I think I'm probably going to watch a different movie with David Bowie. To be fair, because I have seen this one so many times, the performance is already, you know, burned into my brain. I would probably watch Ziggy Stardust, or The Man Who Fell to Earth, or The Hunger.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd watch another
0: one of Mister Gigolo. Fuck, I'd watch Live Aid probably before I would watch <laughs> Labyrinth again. To be honest, because the music would be better.
1: I don't know. I, I don't want to say, to be fair, Pan's Labyrinth is so fucking good. I probably watch Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's
0: Labyrinth is really good. But again, like this is a big deal for me to say this because this is associated with Jim Henson. I would I would prefer to watch something else. So yeah, I would
1: goodbye. say I would, I'd probably do Pan's Labyrinth or The Hunger because I think those are my, that's probably my favorite David Bowie movie. And it's one of my favorite, you know, horror films of all time but Pan's Labyrinth is so beautiful. And, you know, not that we were comparing these two here, but that's another film where Ophelia, in that she is like 11 years old and she seems 11 years old and she's facing all of these dark tormenting dangerous things in this fantasy way it it does the same thing that this labyrinth does it just does it a lot more effectively it's such a good movie if you've not watched panlet's labyrinth recently re-watch it because it's gorgeous Damn. all right well dance baby dance. <laughs> dance baby dance how's it go
0: dance magic dance put that dance, baby spell magic. on me and i don't even know it's and I love yeah. the
1: part, by the way, that they turn the the microphone to the baby, and he just goes, bleh, bleh, bleh. "Oh,
0: apparently the gurgling noises are voiced by David Bowie himself because he didn't feel like the child's voice acting was up to snuff. So, just have to make sure that that makes it in."
1: So thank you all so very much for listening to our latest episode of eating after midnight. If you liked what you've heard, please pop over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. It also make our day. If you could follow us on Instagram at eating after midnight podcast, you've got the time DM us with any comments, questions, or complaints.
0: We'd love to hear from you until next time. Wear your pants as tight as you want to and dance, magic, dance, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> ah,